Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. As always, thanks for listening. I really appreciate the support. Before we start, I just want to thank some of our sponsors. The first one, Scree Gear. They have some of the best camouflage I've ever owned, and I used it all last season, and it worked great. I'm really impressed by it. And then I also want to thank uh, Ancient Boots. They're uh, stocking kind of moccasin-type boots. They're really cool. I used them last year, and they really help getting in close to deer, keeping the noise down, and uh, they're really comfortable. You can actually wear them for long periods of time. And then last but not least, I want to thank scout to hunt uh, It's an online uh, GPS mapping platform. So go ahead and check uh, those sponsors out. I appreciate their support as well. This week we have Cole Ohm, and he... He knows a lot about Colorado. He um, he spent a lot of time there. He had a great season this year with um, some great elk from Colorado. He shares some insight and then also some hunting stories. So let's get right into it. Thanks, Cole. Yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> so... This last year, I actually went to Colorado and with some tips from Cole, uh, he set me up with some people who knew the unit and um, stuff. So that that was one of the one of the first episode of season two is when I told that story. But Cole Cole deserves some credit for that for showing me a good unit and uh, getting me set up. So appreciate that too. No, I'm glad it worked out for you, man. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. It, uh, I think it was a tough year all around, but I was able to find a lot of deer at least. <laughs> yeah, the, the last two years have been pretty dang tough. Um, the weather hasn't lined up, and um, we're just lacking on mature bucks statewide right now, as you've probably seen. Yeah, so so is that kind of a, a statewide thing, you feel like? Just obviously the weather, but like mature bucks are just, down in general do you feel like in Colorado uh yeah I mean it's kind of hard um saying per every unit in the state but at least in western Colorado it I mean everything's downtrending but it's no different anywhere throughout the west right now I mean you could probably say the same thing about Utah or Wyoming Arizona it's just I mean the, the genetics are there the deer are there but um I think frankly we're just getting better at killing mature bucks and I I think um, ultimately it's a fact we're going to have to face as mule deer guys is that we're going to have to start cutting tags back and reducing harvest because we're just simply better better predators than we were 20 years ago. um, I don't know what happened there, but somehow (laughs) the podcast stopped recording, so we're going to get right back into it. Uh, We were talking about uh, Colorado mule deer and western mule deer in general kind of on the decline. Um, but that being said, there are still some great bucks coming from Colorado. Um, and you've obviously been a part of a few of them the last few years. Would, what would you think like if we went through and maybe you gave us like the top units, like top three units or so for what, in your opinion, for like archery, muzzleloader, and then the rifle hunts? Okay. Uh, Archery hunt, um, I'm I'm a big fan of the high country hunts, which I think that kind of gets the most publicity. Um, top three, 
I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a real toss up. My top three, I'd probably say number one would be unit 74. Um, that's kind of Southwest Colorado. Okay. Um, kind of traditionally it has produced some great bucks over the years. It's probably as far as like the early rifle tag, it's pretty much the most sought after tag. Um, but really cool country, pretty decent deer numbers. And, you know, you always got a chance at something big. Um, number two, I would probably say unit 65, which is the um, neighbor to the east of 74. Um, it's pretty much their neighbors. And then number three would probably be unit 55 would be my uh, number three pick. The Gunnison Basin's kind of, I mean, there's definitely seen a decline over with deer the last heck, 10 to 12 years now, but it's still, um, access is good in 55. There's still the genetics there, and um, they pull some great bucks out of there in the high country year after year. Not as many as they used to, but it still can be productive for those that will work at it. Yeah. Um, and then so Muslim backcountry. Are, those are more backcountry type, like hike and hunts, right? Yeah, they are. Um, are. 74 is pretty tough. 65 has some pretty tough country. 55 actually has some pretty decent access into the high basins. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, if you look at Colorado in general, like most of our top producing deer units are those units where we have that high country, you know, that 12,000-plus feet um, high basins, high alpine. And then it transitions into the winter winter range, you know, that we could be talking anywhere from, you know, seven, you know, 5,500 to 7,500 feet. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of how we're built. I mean, we have some units um, that, you know, the deer are lower. I mean, like the desert country. And those units, you'd say, like, the unit 21s, the unit 40s, the unit 30s. like, And they've, I don't know, they're just not... They're tough archery hunts. They're hard to locate those deer. Um, you definitely have a big advantage being in the high country because you're, you know, you're looking at wide open space and um, you can kind of really, you have a somewhat, I would say some of the best advantages you have hunting big deer is in that, you know, late August, early September timeframe when those bucks are on summer patterns. Yeah. They're, they're really patternable and, um, it seems like that switch goes off in their head when they strip their velvet, and that's when they kind of start getting into more, you know, like we need to drop and move into those transition zones. So do you the hard part, those, those Colorado bucks, um, do they usually strip their velvet during the muzzleloader? Or, um, yeah, it, usually I see it happen around the muzzleloader hunt. Like muzzleloader, you'll kind of see bucks are 50-50. Um, you'll see bucks that and bucks that are you know still intact um it really what i've noticed is is those those large bucks those you know let's say four plus year old deer they really seem to be the first ones that get their velvet off and you know by mid-september they get pretty hard to hunt um and that's kind of like a lot of us are kind of because colorado this past year we moved our it was the the archery season was kind of moved in favor more toward the elk rut, so they moved the. I think we had like a September second start date um, in 2020. I haven't paid attention to 21 yet, but that's kind of like, you know, really that like where Utah, you know, I think you guys start on what the 16th of August. 
Yeah, it's, it's usually right the, around there. Yeah, right in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really is kind of conducive to those deer hunts, as is like Nevada starting, you know, basically summertime. Because um, I've always really wished like we had a, you know, we separated the archery deer and the archery elk up a little bit. Like we ran, you know, we started the archery deer mid-August and ran it into, say, like the second week of September, I think would be really ideal. But at the same time, um you know, it's the limited harvest of archery when those bucks are on summer range and vulnerable per se is kind of good. So it's kind of it helps the quality too. And guys still get it done every year. I, I really, I was really big on that hunt when I was younger uh-huh. growing up, but I, really I've kind of been more into the hunting bucks in October, November as of recent, but I might go back to doing it. Yeah. Do you think, uh, are those muzzleloader hunts worth looking into? I know Colorado, it's, it's open site, and there's some other regulations, but are they much better than the bow hunts, or do you think the bow hunts are maybe um, get they, they can be productive. The only thing I, I don't like, I mean, if you can look at those units where there's not an early rifle tag, but you have the high country, mm-hmm. um, that's what I really like the most loader hunts. Like if there's not an early rifle tag in that unit, then those are where I'd be like, yeah, that's a good hunt. Because a lot of time, well, actually a lot of units, what you, the issue you have is you've got muzzleloader coincides with the early rifle deer hunt. And then always you have, you know, mountain goat hunters in there. And it just makes those basins get real busy. And, um, you know, once those rifles start going off, those those bucks are like the gigs up. We're not going to sit up here in the basins anymore where you can look at us. And um, a lot of times it, it gets really tough. But um, if you were really looking at those muzzleloader hunts, I'd recommend looking at units that don't have an early rifle tag. And that can kind of really help sway the odds in your favor of bucks still wanting to hang up, you know, into that mid-September time frame. Yeah. Okay. And so let's let's go into talking a little bit more about rifle hunts. Um, is there like some maybe like if you give us maybe a couple like top tier units and then maybe a couple units that could be good that don't take as many points if, if you know that. Right. Um, I mean, I think the the top tier units in Colorado are pretty well known. Um, Unit forty four obviously is kind of like that you'd call it the Henry's of Colorado, Utah yeah. speaking. Wise, um, I've grown up in that unit and I, I still live 30 minutes from the unit and it, it has in great genetics and it has produced, you know, just, I think it, I think that unit or just that County in general has produced more Boone and Crockett entries than any County in the United States. Um, but that being said, it, the numbers have really fallen off. Um, you know, I, that winter of, what was it, 2007, 2008, it, it crushed that unit. It crushed the basin, or Gunnison Basin. And uh, we've just kind of struggled getting back. But I would say probably, like, genetically speaking, um, 44 would be your top dog. Number two, I would say 66 um, there in the Gunnison Basin. Hmm. And then number three, I mean, it could go to a lot of different ones, but I'd I'd probably give the nod to Unit 67, okay. and that's just the spring unit. That that it seems like in the bait in the Gunnison Basin, those deer 
on the south side of the highway. So those units would be 66, 67, everything south of Blue Mesa, Highway 50. Um, those deer seemed like they wintered. Uh, they've wintered a little better over the years, and they um, the numbers have just came back better. There just seems to be more um, more deer to be had there mm-hmm. than say the the neighbors to the north being 54, 55, and I guess you could throw 551 into that mix, but um, that seems to be what I would say. I'm kind of going off of genetically speaking because, I mean, 44, any of these hunts are like, you know, everybody's chasing that third, fourth rifle hunt, which you're weather dependent, rut dependent. Um, And this coming year with the late season dates, uh, I think you're going to see some insane point creep because everybody's kind of been licking their chops about these super late dates that are coming um, for 2020. And I think you're going to see some stacking going on on those top units like you could see a point to two point jump increase on these hunts so um so kind of talking into that i think even those like that second season could even be good because that's going to be pretty much when a normal third season could exactly happen. um <laughs> and i and mm-hmm. I, I've, I've honestly personally hunted the second season a lot over the past 10 years just because it's allowed me to um one as a resident i can draw a lot of second season tags as a second choice and sit on my points and then i can also you know i can draw those upper tier units for second rifle and um i mean it's a it's a tough time to hunt deer i mean mid to late october is never an easy time but um if you're if you know the the country well and kind of know where those bucks are going to hole up at you can actually be pretty productive with that hunt yeah um, but with that with that new date you know moving i mean dang near into what first week of november um which is like the third season of old like that that second season could, could become very you know say pop more popular than it already is just because of the dates and um well, the bad I- thing is those tags might not be as easy to draw as they used to be yeah that's true well and another thing to think about is during the second season um during the second season those (laughs) there's not going to be many deer that are dead already versus your fourth no they're yeah exactly right and that's what i was telling people um with these new dates coming up i was like man i'd like that third season's kind of like where i'd want to be um because you know i mean a lot of us aren't to be honest with you, we're not real happy about these dates because if the stars line up, the weather comes like it's it could be a slaughter, and right. you, know, you could be you could be that guy that waited twenty plus years for that forty four four season tag, and all you're doing is picking up scraps because second and third cleaned them out, you know, and right. Um, and plus, I mean, I've honestly I've never been a the four season's pretty good, but um, five days goes awful quick. Yeah, it goes real quick. Yeah, it does. And uh, I've always been a fan of having seven to nine days, you know, versus five. Because, man, you think, like, oh, I'll get it done in five. And then, you know, that third day comes and a lot of guys start feeling that pressure. And then you're, like, you know, you, you start contemplating shooting a buck that you wouldn't normally shoot on day three of a third season or a second season hunt, you know, because you're worried about the clock running out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 100% true. 
So speaking of deer, I, I want to get into a story real quick. Uh, you killed a, a great typical a few years ago. Um, do you, would you mind telling us that story? Yeah. Um, that buck, uh, like we were talking about second season, I killed that deer. That was on a second choice, second season tag. I, I mean, again, they, I, I bet you they give a thousand plus tags in and um, didn't, didn't really have any history with this buck. Um, just, I had history, I guess you could say with the, the area and I, you know, we'd pulled some good bucks out of there over time and, um, would have been the second day and, and to be honest with you, it was kind of just a lucky deal. Um, I knew there was bucks in there, but they're, they're, it's, they're tough to glass and you just got to go in and get them. And it was, um, me and a good friend of mine, we were coming actually basically coming off the mountain in the last 20 minutes of daylight. And, um, that buck was still bedded, you know, after the sun and went down and I basically popped, jumped him out of his bed and had to make a quick decision. And, um, I ended up shooting him on a, I don't know. It couldn't have been more than about 50, 60 yards, but I'm sure glad I decided to pull the trigger. (laughs) Yeah. Bang, bang deal. Um, but yeah, that just that one pocket, I mean, just that spot in general, um, over that leading up to that buck, me and my buddies, we'd taken four deer out of that. I mean, within a half mile, area right there we'd killed two bucks prior to that over that 180 inch mark and another deer that was um high 170 so it was just like it was kind of one of those things we just learned like that's where those bucks felt safe in october in that part of october and it it really produced there for a while um but i haven't been back in there since and i probably should go back in there but (laughs) yeah there might be a big waiting for you again it's the, just the genetics or that that's the thing about Colorado is um, it doesn't matter to the tag. Cause, you know, a lot of these guys will get these, these lesser tags, like these bucks were killed on and, and they go into it like, well, it's not that good of a tag. I'm not going to work that hard at it. And I tell a lot of people, I'm like the biggest deer in the state routinely get killed on quote unquote trash units that, you know, are under the radar. And, um, I mean, you you have a chance anywhere to kill a 200. I mean, it's just, that's the thing you got to look at is I, I always tell people there's no such thing as a bad deer tag in Colorado. Yeah. So, so do you think that just about every unit in Colorado could produce a 200 inch deer? Um, for sure. And they have, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can name a single unit in the state that hasn't. Um, I mean, it doesn't happen, you know, some units are down or, you know, but they're there. I mean, I would say yeah. 200, you have a chance, but definitely, you know, realistically speaking, 180 plus is, is doable anywhere at any time. It's just the genetics are there. And I mean, a lot of these deer, um, these bucks I've killed in that, in that class, they're not that old, you know, it's almost kind of breaks your heart when you, you shoot a buck like that and you know, you start looking at him and you're like, man, that deer can't be more than four, like four year old deer. And they're, you know, breaking, you know, they're pushing one ninety. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I mean, we killed, 
I mean, I, I the last governor's tag I was involved in, that deer went, uh, I think he was like 208 or 209, and the division aged him at four and a half years old, and he was already, you know, that kind of deer. And I was like, dang, you know, it's like you could get that deer to six years old, it'd be insane, but um, it's kind of hard to walk away from a buck of that caliber. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you know, but, from a 200 plus inch deer. Yeah, but, you know, it just speaks you know, it goes to speak about the genetics, you know, that you can get deer. At, I mean, there's deer. I've, I've seen three-year-olds that are in that class and, you know, the places like Gunnison County, Eagle County, Garfield County, like those real, you know, that have the history. But, I mean, that being said, you know, there's, you know, undisclosed, you know, just under the radar units. Like I, the last two deer that have been killed in the state of Colorado over 300 inches have came from units that are, you know, real under the radar and not hard to draw whatsoever and don't have like that reputation. So, um, yeah, it can happen anywhere, you know. So speaking of that, um, what, what do you think about these wolves? You think, uh, you think they're going to bring them in and it's going to be as big as Zillow as everyone's made? Uh, I think, I think it's going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's kind of sad. I mean, it's downright sickening, honestly. Um, and what a, a lot of us here that live on the western half of the state are pretty up in arms about is that it was an initiative or a bill that was, you know, basically pushed through on us by people on the front range, you know, the Denver metro area who, one, are, have no, you know, knowledge or lack thereof of what wolves do or what living amongst wolves are. And they basically, you know, they had that majority vote, to, you know, and they're not going to have to live with them. You know, it's us over here that are going to have to deal with them. And, you know, like, it's not good for Utah. It's not good for Arizona. It's not good for New Mexico because, you know, those wolves aren't going to just stay in Colorado. Yeah, they don't know the state line. <laughs> no, and, you know, that's the thing is it's going to, you know, give it, I mean, you can look at what happened in Yellowstone. Those wolves scattered like a wildfire, and before you know it, they're in Idaho and, you know, all over Montana and all, you know, across western Wyoming. And um, and I know there's, you know, those wolves have drifted clear to, you know, Washington State and into Oregon. And, um, you know, we've dabbled with them. I actually, a good friend of mine who um, I believe helped you a little bit on your deer this past year. He was the one that filmed those wolves up there in extreme Northwest Colorado. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I am proud to say that I know a few of them aren't alive anymore because they wandered into Wyoming, but oh, okay. yeah, so they got, they, they were, those wolves were not far from Wyoming and they drifted into Wyoming and um, they were, dealt with with force you could say um because that side of wyoming um that real southern half of wyoming a wolf is it's open wolf so there's no you know quote on them they're just basically no better than the coyote when they're that far south so right okay you know that was kind of a real sick deal there because that's our that's the best elk unit in the entire state that's unit 201 i mean guys wait 25 to pushing 30 years to hunt that and you know that's kind of tough when you that's where the first pack kind of gets worked in and 
you know, they were Wyoming wolves, and they, they dabble around. They come in, and I think they actually just collared one over in North Park, which um Walden area, um, which is really close to the Wyoming border. But I I think, you know, it's it's hard to say with these. I know they're the, the real left-wing extremists over in Boulder are really pushing, like, the division to act quickly on this, and I believe we're not technically required to release them till 2024 and i know there's probably going to be some lawsuit actions and it's going to be you know we're going to fight it tooth and nail but i mean it, it's just i look at it as, as it could be the last you know the straw that broke the camel's back of the west because you know <laughs> we we you know um you know arizona's got the, the mexican wolves or whatever but they don't they're not what these canadian gray wolves are capable of and it just breaks my heart, to be honest with you, because, I mean, Colorado, we've, we've spent the last, God, 40 to 50 years building what is, you know, undoubtedly the best Shiras moose population in the lower 48. And um, we're in, you know, that's the first thing that we're going to lose is our moose. And um, a lot of us are sitting here scratching our head who are, you know, 15 plus years into the moose game. And we're like, well, dang, like, we're going to have any moose by 2030. I hope I draw soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good point. That's something to think about for sure. Yeah. And it, you know, I think that they don't realize like the, what it's going to do because it's going to put, you know, stress on Utah and, you know, all our surrounding states. Like it's going to be, you know, give it time, you know, because they're probably going to look at, you know, where those elk populations, the highest, you know, areas like the flat tops and real, northwest colorado and that's going to get you know those wolves will push into the uintas and you know they'll just you know before you know it they'll be over in the wasatch and around you know strawberry reservoir and who knows from there or you know if we get them in southwest colorado which we probably will it's just you know it's pretty disgruntling i I could probably say some words about it that aren't fit for air (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you and me both <laughs> so speaking about I just wanted to come back to transition about to Colorado elk a little bit I saw you guys had a great year for elk at least you and your your friends and family can you, do you want to tell us how your elk season went maybe a couple stories yeah it was a it was a real good elk season I didn't even hunt mule deer this year believe it or not oh um, no, I didn't have a deer tag this year. It was elk all the way. But, yeah, we had um, – my uncle kicked it off this year. He drew a Unit 10 tag, um, which is one of the primo units in the state. And he actually – this is the second time he's had it in six six years. He actually drew what's called the hybrid tag. Oh, yeah. So there's one, yeah, so he pulled the hybrid with six points. And um, – I the hunt started on the first of October, which I believe was on a Thursday, and I was trying to get up there that Friday, and I was like, "Well, dang, it's not going to be able." Well, he pulled the trigger in the first fifteen minutes of the hunt, so I <laughs> I was part of that. But he killed a great bull. He killed a he's a little short main beam, but other than that, he's beautiful. He's got a giant G three on his left. I think his G three on the one side's over twenty four, and just a real pretty like you know I high 330s low 340 type bull um but that was that was a pretty cool way to kick off the year on elk and then 
Um, my little brother, he pulled a – he had a 61 tag this year. Um, which is a, another Primo tag. He had that first rifle, and um, it was 61. I kind of have mixed feelings about now after spending the time I did in it. Um, I feel like that they give a few, they give too many bull tags in there, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. But we, we had some great bulls found um, in September. Uh, one like 360 type bull, and um, uh, a friend here in in town, he actually was able to find the bull muzzleloader and got him killed. And I think he ended up 367, like we're just pretty six point. And then I actually, there in late September, I, I struck gold. I found a bull that at the time I thought was 380. No. And that type, yeah, that type of bull. And they, the early rifle hunt came in. So that was the October 1st through the, I can't remember the end date on that, but a, another guy, from here in Western Colorado, ended up killing that bull opening morning, and he ended up scoring 393. Um, no, so man. a really like unheard of bull out of that That's unit. Like, unheard of bull, yeah. Yeah, the seven point, just I mean, 60 inch main beams, and just you know what a high 390, you know a 390 400 inch bull should be. I, I, I tell you, I believe it. The first time I found him, and I watched him pretty close but you know there was that like well it could fall apart with this early rifle hunt and it did it didn't he that bull didn't make it two hours opening day after early rifle with um but all in all it was a pretty tough hunt we were in severe drought um this year you know wildfires like crazy haze like um but we we drug it down to the wire and um little brother ended up killing a He's like a 300-type bull, kind of your standard bull out of that unit, but kind of cool experience. We got in tight with a bunch of elk and ended up calling him into 40 yards, and he, he killed him with his rifle at 40 yards. So, he, I mean, all in all, it was, <laughs> it was a cool experience. But, um, and then probably the best elk hunt this year was my dad. He had a – he drew a third-season unit 40 tag, um, and – this was kind of, you know, my dad retired this year and turned 60 and it was, and honestly, my dad kind of sat back for me and my brother and I mean, me, me and my brother have both killed multiple bulls over the 300 inch mark and something my dad had never accomplished before. And so I, I kind of really pushed hard on this hunt. I, I knew it was possibly the last big elk hunt for him in Colorado and yeah, um, had, had some good buddies down there that kind of had given me some good intel and um but basically had a really fun hunt um we were we were done the first day but um looked over 33 bulls that day and no um, but yeah really but a lot of broken bulls we had to we had to find the right one that wasn't broken um, one bull kind of broke my heart i had i'd had him located the week before and we thought he was probably a 360 type bull and he ended up breaking his whole main beam off the night before season, right above his G2. Um, but anyways, we we got into some bulls, and, and it, it's brutal country in there. I tell you what, it's steep, nasty canyons. And um, I ended up talking my dad into shooting this bull um, that opening day, that late that afternoon. And he, uh, he smoked him, but we had to shoot him off, basically straight off a cliff. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he made a he made a beautiful. It was 
just short of 700 yards and did street dangle and he he pumped him one shot and bowling about 10 feet and tipped over dead so it was the the way it was supposed to go the unfortunate thing was is at 60 years old dad's not quite the go he used to be and i um i wasn't able to get him down to this bowl we had to um basically get some ropes and repel a few cliffs and um just wasn't physically able to get him there um just in out of safety standpoint but look i had a really good friend that was able to come and we spent two days dragging that bull out of there and it was probably the worst pack out of my life but you know what i'd, I'd probably do it again for the old man tomorrow but um, <laughs> but that it was pretty cool to you know finally at 60 years old you know you could say that's kind of when you know you're tailing out on your really pretty hardcore hunting and you know it was good to see him cap it off that way and be be a big part of it so that's sweet and then you killed a bull this year too didn't you yeah i finally i didn't even know what i was gonna do and me and my buddy picked up some uh leftover four season tags and that was a funny hunt in itself is my we went out i we went and hunted a place i i grew up hunting it but i i hadn't been back in probably 10 years and we were just kind of like well you know screw it we only have four season and we'll just go make the best of it you know uh-huh and uh up finding a bunch of elk and um my buddy had a brand new 28 nosler um just built it had you know top of line components on it and um anyways we got on a bull that morning i had him laying down prone and i was spotting and the shot broke and i didn't see an impact anywhere heard him say a big loud four-letter word and i turned around in the scope the rings and the base were all laying there on the ground about 10 feet behind the gun no and so apparently he uh torqued his um his screws down on his action from his 20 moa rail a little too tight that sucker we'd shot the gun probably 30 times like two days prior checking zero and the one time he shot at milk it um <laughs> fell apart and I was, was like, well, it was, uh, it was just a respectable six point, like smaller six, but a good bull for like an over-the-counter type unit. Right. And um, anyways, we had my gun and I was kind of like not even really planning on even caring to kill one, to be honest with you. And I, I had my little uh, 6547 Lapua with us. And I was like, well, uh, I guess we, because I live about, an, it's about an hour and a half home from this unit. Uh-huh. And I said, well, let's hunt until dark, and um, we'll go and um, we'll drive back to my house, and I'll I'll give you I'll get you a different gun. And anyways, I was like, well, let's go check this canyon. It was midday. It was probably like one thirty in the afternoon. We roll into this canyon, and lo and behold, I pull up and I glass up three bulls laying bedded in the cedars, and um, we sneak in there with my little little we call it the pop gun, but uh. <laughs> Up going in there and uh shot a double with with one gun so no way. yeah so that was pretty cool i i took the first bull he was laying bedded and shot him and i because they were kind of bedded in a pretty nasty spot but i was like well if we can anchor him right there and my bull went down and i was like all right we're good and i handed him the gun and he uh he shot the other bull and that bull started rolling and he stopped about 
I don't know, 10 feet from a cliff. And I was like, man, that was a close one. The good thing mine died in a good spot. And I got to mine and turned out mine was about a tree limb away from rolling off a cliff too. So um, <laughs> yeah, it was like, dang it. But, but, um, luckily, um, they neither one. I had to have mine tied off to a tree while I was trying to quarter it in the dark. But that was, that was a little, not too much fun, but we got him out and uh, it was kind of a good way to end the season right there. But yeah, we had whatever. I think we went five for five on bulls this year. But I, I that's didn't get a hunt. Hard to beat. This year. What's that? I said that's going to be hard to beat. Uh, you know, I always jokingly tell people killing elk is pretty easy, um, <laughs> comparatively to hunting big deer. I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't mean to like. I guess maybe it's cocky to say, but I feel like I can go in about any over-the-counter unit and have a pretty realistic chance at shooting a legal bull. Um, right. Um, but, you know, I mean, look at it. I was joke. I'm like, it's like spotting a big yellow school bus on the side of a mountain. <laughs> That's true. They're not like deer, you know. And I, I just noticed that. Like, it's funny because I, growing up, I grew up in the, the tail end, you could say, of the heyday of mule deer, um, where it was like basically you just went and drove around your pickup and shot 180-inch deer and went home and we all everybody would just joke how dumb mule deer were uh, but what we did what we didn't realize what we had in you know the early 2000s was just the most probably the greatest arguably the greatest probably i would say five to six year run of mule deer hunting in the state at that time i would say from about 02 to 07 was um it was pretty incredible i mean i don't think there was a there was nowhere in Western Colorado that sucked as far as deer hunting. You just could go and kill a nice buck. And, you know, we didn't give them the credit they deserved because now that we have about a third of the deer and we don't get tags like we used to. And, you know, it's it's kind of almost something that I matured as a hunter to realize, like, how crafty and how smart a big mature mule deer buck is. And, and in this day and age, how hard it really is to kill a big deer. Right. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so intriguing is how difficult it is. And, yeah, there's something about big deer. <laughs> just, yeah, and, and to be able to do it consistently is even crazier, you know, especially yeah. like in, you know, Colorado per se, like where we're getting, you know, if you're hunting those just easy draw tags and then you're consistently putting down, you know, those 170 plus inch deer year in and year out. And it's like, you know, I, I, I look at my streak and it's like, I usually, I feel like right now, I mean, I'm, I'm a part of them, but myself personally, if I can get one every th- one out of every three years, I feel pretty damn fortunate. Right. Um, but it's not easy. And I think that's probably what, why we're so addicted to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what, what does your 2021 season look like? Do you have any, any plans, any, you, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to waste a lot of money on applications as usual all across the West. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, I got a bunch of points in Wyoming. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm him and Han what to do there, whether I want to go, you know, play the game in G and H or if I want to stay in the desert, um, yeah. I'd like to get into Idaho this year. Um, we'll see. You know, you always got a chance in Idaho at drawing something special. Right. Yeah, it's an even playing field there. 
You know? Yeah, you know, I, I kick around between, you know, there's always that, you could draw one of those primo hunts, but, you know, I always got to put my name in the hat there. And I think Idaho, you know, Idaho is like the same as Colorado. Like you'll talk to, you know, Idaho guys. And I, I lived in Idaho for a while, um, went to school there and it's a cool state. They're definitely, they're struggling. I think that over the counter deer hunting hurt them for sure. Yeah. But, uh, same thing as Colorado, great genetics. And that's a cool state to hunt. Um, and then New Mexico, I'll always apply there, and Arizona, Nevada. I mean, but as far as out of state, I would probably, you know, things that I could probably push the draw in would be Wyoming and um, Nevada at this point. And then um, don't really have a bunch of points in Colorado, but, I, you know, I'll definitely – I definitely will be hunting deer in Colorado this year. I know that after not hunting last year. That was first time in – God, I think 12 years I hadn't had a deer tag in my pocket. Jeez, yeah, you got to get one this year, too. This is the year to have one. Yeah, you know, and it yeah. wasn't – I couldn't have drawn one last year. It just that, it just was like everybody was drawing elk tags last year, you know. So it was like I was – well, I started in, like, September. It was like, well, I, I was helping with a moose hunt, and then it just from October 1st to – dang near the end of november was just booked with elk hunts and it was like you know and majority of these elk tags were you know really really good elk tags that you gotta make your time for and hunting elk's fun it's good to just go and put your hands on some big bulls and you know it's it's cool i mean i can't say that i don't like hunting elk by any means but it definitely was like by the I, it was hard for me running around in November hunting elk and like, <laughs> glasses and deer, and I'm like, oh wait, we're elk hunting, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm like, well, I'm gonna spot and scope out and look at these bucks, and I'm like, why am I? We're hunting elk, like, well, I'm, but you know, you gotta look, like, but <laughs> no, it's cool. I'm I'm excited for um, you know, hopefully, you know, things work out this year with um, you know, tags and. But I definitely, I, I definitely will have a tag in Colorado. Um, and where I don't know yet, I might just close my eyes and throw it at the map. And if it lands on something, I can draw. You know, I can get as a first or second choice or something like that. I'll definitely be hunting it. Yeah. But um, you know, might kind of go try something. I the old stomping grounds. But I, I think, you know, I'm kind of noticing like northwest the real northwest part of the state it's been pretty tough i mean i was up there that was where we were elk hunting four season and you know i ran into quite a few guys with four season deer tags that were downright struggling and i probably i bet i looked over 200 does you know and and you know groups of does where you're like man there's there's a buck here it's you know mid-november and so a lot of times buck wasn't even on the does or the bucks that were with the does were you know Less than spectacular to say the least. Um, but what I saw with bucks yeah. too is just <laughs> some big groups of doe didn't even have bucks, and some just had <laughs> like little three points or even two points with them. So yeah, that's definitely the trend up there. It's it's hard because the um, that they've they've really been all about the chronic wasting disease, and they the let's diminish the deer herd to you know make them. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the thought process about it. To be honest with you, it was insane. If you looked at the tag numbers allotted for elk and deer this year, and 
the you know the northwest part of the state let's say moffat county rio blanco county um that general area even into route county it was like man what are we doing like like i like like i don't even know how bad they increased you know let's say like the unit 11 211 22 3 301 4 like it was like the deer the deer tag numbers that they gave this year it was almost like what are what is going on <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um, but you know i do i i totally i'd say i would disagree with it like i think killing less deer is better for bigger deer like <laughs> you know a rational person you know would understand management but you know i i it's kind of like i think a lot of us who are long time you know i mean we it's almost like we need to get you know guys from out of state to start coming to these meetings because all of us locals i mean we go into these these meetings that are, you know, we're talking the, with the tag allotments going to be that year herd structure. And we go in there kicking and screaming. And I think they just get tired of even listening to us. And, you know, it's in one year and not the next. And it's, it's frustrating. But I, I would think like if they, they really, if more non-resident interest would show up to these meetings and make a presence, like, because at the end of the day, you know, I'm paying as a resident, I'm paying $40 for the deer tag. You're paying almost $500. Like, you're worth a lot more money to them than me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's literally, but you know, that's kind of what we're like, man, if we don't, we don't fix this deer herd or turn things around. Like, cause I mean, if you, you can ask a lot of people like, you know, and yourself, like you think of meal deer hunting, a lot of times, like the first thing that comes to people's mind is Colorado. And oh. It has for a long time. And, you know, and it's, you know, I can, I can sit here, you know, I live in probably, I mean, you could say it's the Mecca or one of the Meccas and man, I, I've been around, I mean, we are actually, we're getting some weather finally, but I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on the winter range looking and I'm just not seeing bucks like I'm used to seeing. Like, um, you know, usually that month of December into January, I can, you know, in a weekend, I can at least go find, you know, one or two bucks that I would say are in that 180 class routinely and usually by the winter's end i can you know say like i remember years where i could say i've seen 10 bucks that i'd say would be pushing 200 and that's no joke and now if i see one 200 inch deer a year on on the winter range and that's covering gunnis the gunnison basin fort eagle county like i mean places where there should be a handful of them and i'm if i see one i'm like it's it's like a big event and I just, it's crazy. Like it's, I mean, even right at my house, I live in a, my house sits in a pretty good deer unit and I usually have deer on my hay field. And the one decent buck I had on my hay field this winter, he got hit on the road and he was maybe a, a I 160s, 170 type deer. And yeah. who knows, he's laying in a ditch somewhere, but that was a couple months ago, but it's kind of hard to see him. The last few bucks left in the unit get whacked by the, the pizza delivery truck or pizza delivery guy here. Yeah. But you know, I we'll see. But I I think things need to change. Um but you know, we all it's like we're talking like it's predation, you know, we're pointing our finger at lions and is it lions then we're saying it's you know loss and I think it's a magnitude of things. I think it's we're given too many tags. There's, we can't, one Colorado in general can't manage its predators. So how the hell do we think we can manage wolves is beyond me. <laughs> yeah. but, 
Um, but I think the biggest issue I see with it is just loss of habitat and winter range, honestly, because there's so many people moving to the state and, you know, the Eagle Valley, the Roaring Fork Valley, like, um, you know, even like, let's say Middle Park, like when you head north of, you know, Silverthorne into, you know, Granby and Kremlin, and there's just more people, there's just twice as many people in the state as there used to be in it. And, you know, they're building homes on winter range and it, I think it does neg- negatively affect those deer one way or another. Um, oh. I, but, you know, and then I hear people with the philosophy that deer are like rabbits, you know, like one minute there's a bunch of rabbits and the next minute there's no rabbits. And I don't know if I entirely believe that. Um, I think it's like we're just, I think honestly it's just for killing too many deer. That's my my belief of the matter. But and we've we've had some rough winter kills and you know, these last couple of winters, thank God, have been pretty pretty minor, but I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods right now, but it's been pretty brutal cold over yeah, here. And cold this week for sure. And yeah, the thing to think about is those the dates getting pushed back, I think a lot of more deer are gonna get killed. I don't think they took away any tags with those late season dates. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Colorado. I think they, you guys have got yeah. a lot of stuff going against the deer herd. but Yeah, they just seem to try to give them every chance they can to not survive. That's for sure. Um, you know, and I think you, you could talk to myself and many other guys, you know, that are somewhat in the know, and I, I don't think there's going to be a person that is going to be positive about these dates you know because the thing you know for instance if you look at the fourth season this year it's dang near like what thanksgiving right yeah Yeah. you know and that's usually like when we're hunting governor's tag bucks and i mean if you think about it like four bucks in the whole state might get killed right around there on the west on west i-25 that's four bucks on governor's tags that um you know where now we're going to be hunting thousands of bucks, you know, in yeah. the late, and it's just like, God dang, and these bucks don't even know what's coming, you know, because, I mean, you see it so many times in the units, like 44, um, you'll be out all November, like the third, fourth season hunts, and you'll think you know what's there, and then you just go for a drive one day, like, black friday right around thanksgiving and all of a sudden there's just this giant and you're like where did he come from i have no idea and it's like these bucks are like yep if i show up about and i always tell people i'm like if you want to see a big deer in 44 go look in like black friday is the best day to go look for bucks and now it's like those bucks are going to let their guard down they're thinking they're safe and then it's yeah <laughs> like i think there's going to be a there i mean a lot of people they're thinking this but i mean maybe maybe not but that as far as a chance to kill a big deer in november like this is the year to do it of what's left right and then who knows what 2022 will be like like i mean it's like we're all kind of holding our breath waiting because honestly like second season could be stupid you know and really the last couple years the best weather conditions have been second rifle um like, yeah, well, this year they got that snowstorm. I think last year they did too. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Like this year, I was kicking my dad because my dad had a, a second season unit 44 tag this year. He turned back. And he wanted to focus on, and I was like, God dang it! And and I'm pretty sure Brian Leturner from Monster Mule he's got his tag when he turned it in. He he held on to it right to where he had to turn it in. Whatever he had that 30 days, and he he put it right till the end. But I was like, God dang it, man! Like. If there was like a second season to hunt 44, it was this past year. Because then third season came, and I, we got a little snow third. But, I mean, fourth season, I was elk hunting in a T-shirt, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Yeah, and I had the same thing. Like, I, I burned all my deer points in 2019 on a four-season tag, and it was, it was kind of a slap in the face because I went out. Like, the season started on a Wednesday, and on Tuesday, me and my brother went out looking, and it was like nine degrees that morning and, and we watched like two really nice 180 plus inch deer rut and does that morning, you know, 500 yards off the road. And I looked at my brother and I'm like, well, this is going to be too easy, man. <laughs> and, uh, opening day, it's like by daylight, it's like 40 degrees. And yeah. the whole week was, that was 2009. It was like full moon, 50 degrees. And it was like, there wasn't a mature buck on the does. And I ended up eating the tag just because, I mean, I could have shot some smaller bucks, but it was like, man, um, you know, like like I've said before, that four-season tag is just such a gamble. Like, you really, you think it's going to be, and I, like, I would really, if I had a pocket full of points right now, I'd be going third season all day long. Like, I would, the fourth is, like, it could be good, but like I said, it's like that where that third falls is basically fourth, but you're getting more days to hunt, and yeah, like that, like that four season. Like we said, it might be like mopping up the scraps. It's pretty much what I'm worried about it being. Um, <laughs> I think I really think that could be the case. But yeah, but yeah, I think I mean, there's some good points to think uh, about, especially with everything coming down the coming down the line. So I appreciate you giving your knowledge on some of the units. Yeah. The, the outlook kind of for what might be going on as grim as it might sound but i i will tell people so my the biggest mistake people make with colorado is they build a bunch of points and they're waiting 15 plus years to go on that one deer hunt and i would bet you more times than not those hunts don't pan out the way you dream they to be like they you know, some guys come out and strike gold, but I bet you one out of every 10 guys actually has that hunt where he kills that buck and, you know, it's sunshine and daisies and the other people can get on forms or, you know, wherever and tell you how terrible it was and how it wasn't worth the points. And my best advice to people is don't build more than three to five points in Colorado. Like the goal with Colorado is find relatively easy to draw tags and go as often as you can because you're going to kill more bucks you're probably going to learn more country and it's it's honestly how i approach colorado i will never hold more than three preference points in colorado for the rest of my life at this point yeah well i think that's good advice because i've hunted second choice like tag and i think some of them were better than my my fourth season tag this year yeah, I mean, if you can, on the year. people are, exactly, like every big deer on my wall, I burned zero preference points to kill. Like, they've all been on 
first choice or second choice tags. Like the one time I built points to hunt a deer was four season and I fell flat on my face. Like and yeah. I knew. And now I'm like, and because I tell people, I'm like, if you go with the, if you can find those like second choice tags, you got to look at it. Like it's, it's like you're gambling, you know, you like, you're going all in and you could, you could win it all. But even if you lose, it's like, well, I was a second choice tag. Like I didn't invest a ton of points. So it's like a low risk, high reward kind of game. And right. um, really, I think that's the way to play ball with it. You know, it's like, don't sit on a bunch of points. Cause I mean, I, I, I can sit here and tell story after story about how many guys, you know, message me or call me and want me. And then I'm like, I tell them, I'm like, man, there's no golden ticket unit. I don't have a 200 tied to a tree. It's just like, you're going to go and you're going to burn all those points and you got seven days, you got five days, you better make the best of it. Cause it, you know, it, it could work out or it could be terrible. And like I've watched guys eat 44 tags year after year because <laughs> of that. Like, and I bet you I've seen more guys go to 44 after burning 15 to 20 points and come home utterly disgusted than they have come home with a 200 inch deer in their truck. It's just, it's how it works, man. It's deer hunting. But, <laughs> um, at least it's deer hunting in this era. You know, if you'd had a 44 tag back in like 05, 06, I'd have told you like, don't shoot unless it's 200. You'll see one. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to honestly see that day in our lifetime. I hope so. It probably won't happen. <laughs> but I'm just hoping there's even a deer to hunt by the time I have a kid old enough to hunt. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see. But well, sweet. But, well, again, I appreciate you getting on. I appreciate. And, sorry, that first podcast got deleted. So I appreciate you getting on and doing another one. I think you're oh, welcome no. college in Colorado, so it's it's good to yeah to talk to you. Yeah, good talking to you, man. Congrats on that deer this year. I hadn't even got to talk to you since this is the first time we talked since hunting season. I know, <laughs> yeah. It was it, good to catch up. It was it was a tough hunt for sure, but it was fun. Yeah. I'm glad I well won. <laughs> the, the, the tough hunts are always the better stories. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, I think you're right on those fourth season tags. It, it was stressful to only have five days. <laughs> and then the first few days not seeing anything over – I didn't think I even saw anything over 140 the first three days of the hunt. So. But, yeah, that's how it goes, man. That's pretty much part for the course. But it's yeah. you keep yeah. your nose down and keep covering the numbers. It can You can hit gold or, you know – strike out trying but that's that's definitely the game yeah well it's definitely more encouraging though if you're in a unit where you're actually like getting to see some numbers for sure right um, yeah and yeah. that that's the one bonus of where you were hunting is there's good relatively good numbers and you can at least you're going out and actively seeing deer you know where you know i've had you know other units where you could go you know you're lucky to see two or three bucks a day yeah yeah everywhere you look there was deer it was kind of crazy just yeah so that definitely that that helps your morale per se even if you're not seeing big deer but it keeps you like you know checked flipping the stone over where 
some of these hunts I go on, if I, I tell myself I'm, I'm okay if I don't see a buck today, like, it's just like, that's the mentality I have to have. And it, it kind of beats you up really. And um, that's why a lot of people don't like doing it that way, but (laughs) that's hard to do for sure. It is hard. I think the only person I know that really likes doing it is Jason Carter, but he's, he's just his own animal in that sense, but he'll go, sit in the desert and look at rocks for seven days for one deer but <laughs> yeah i guess that's why he's better at killing them than the rest of us but. <laughs> yeah that's you know, hard to do but yeah you know it's definitely uh it's definitely a mindset for sure i think that's kind of what is cool about guys who are obsessive with mule deer is it's definitely you have to be mentally like tough and realize like there's going to be a lot of tough boring days on the mountain that you're going to spend for that you know that 30 second moment in time where it all works out or it might be three years before it all works out but it's sure special when it does yeah yeah and i I think you're completely right (laughs) once you finally need to put your hands on something like that after all the hard work it's definitely something it's hard to describe that feeling yeah, it's definitely a it's a sickness that some of us have contracted for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks again, Cole. I appreciate it.